0: Outrocast now with Derrick Wits Get ready to listen to your favorite artists.
1: There we are. There
2: you are. Well, right on time. Wonderful. And I understand you have another live stream coming up through Mandolin. Is it uh, May 9th? Yes,
1: Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Yes. That is your second one through mandolin. The second one. I did one at Easter, and it was it was wonderful too. first of all to get these things moving again, playing yes. chords. You know, after a year of not singing, I wasn't sure what was going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> sure. But we we got through it. People seemed to enjoy it very very much, and I'm really looking forward to to sharing Mother's Day with with mommies around.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of singing, uh, the year before the pandemic, you put out what they're calling a comeback album, but you never went anywhere, uh, Uh called She's Back. And it featured you both singing solo and doing duets with different artists from the R&B and soul genres. And your voice is perfectly there. Do you have to put in work to keep your voice at this top level?
1: No, I basically just use it, you know. <laughs> it's, it, this thing is the muscle. Like anything else, a, a muscle needs to be exercised. And the, the more you use it, the better it becomes and the stronger it becomes. Being without using this muscle for a complete year, it was quite... I kind of questioned myself here. Yeah, are you going to work for me or what's going to happen here? Yeah. You know, but fortunately, you know, after... A few songs that kind of warmed up and said, oh, this is what we're supposed to be doing anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah, you don't uh, shy away from any high notes on the She's Back album. We see you, we hear you singing low, we hear you singing high. When you were helping to choose the songs for this album, did you take your vocal register into account or did you just say, I'm going to do it?
1: No, you know, basically, um, especially with the duets. um, I, I tried to do keys that were suitable for my duet partners uh, and I, I have a, an ability to sing around them, which we found quite interesting in most cases. But uh, as it turned out, everything worked perfectly. And the, the, the songs I did on my own, of course, were suitable for the keys that I sing in now. Yeah. When you started singing,
2: there weren't any ear monitors the way there are now. Do you use any ear monitors when you perform on stage?
1: No. Uh-uh. No, I use monitors on the floor. Um, and I, and I look, 90% of the time, I'm listening to the music that surrounds me. So um, I, I, I can't have anything in my ear. In fact, even when I record, if I have to use ear, earphones, I only use one on one ear. Wow, do
2: you listen to a particular instrument when you're singing to keep the timing and to keep the pitch?
1: No, uh, well, basically a piano, of course, you keeps you in tune. Um, but every instrument is, is vital to to what I hear. You know, uh, I've always said, and I will continue to say, live musicians is the only way to record. You know, I don't care who's doing it you know these these kids who are able to sing to a computer uh, it's it's beyond me it really is beyond (laughs) me you know a live musician has the ability to to uh give something a breath of fresh air you know a drummer will do something maybe the bass player here that it promotes something out of him that the piano player over here and promote something out of him and that it, of course stimulates me. Yeah. So you know we all kind of the word I'm going to use is groove together.
2: Yeah well something that I think is very cool about you is that you're analog about some things you're super modern about other things you kind of change it up. So your new album, or to me, it's still a new album, is very fresh, but classic sounding. But we've seen you in 2020 have this big rise on social media. Now, (laughs) have you always been a fan
1: of the internet? Or is this something in the last few years? You got Definitely the last few years. I did not want to even interface with the computer at all. Both of my sons, just kept at me. you know, they gave me one for my birthday. It sat in the box for almost two years. <laughs> out box. and once I took it out of the box, they made me take it out and set it up for me. And then uh, I just sat there and looked at it. And I said, "So now what do I do?" They said, "Well, turn it on." I said, "Well, how do you do that?" <laughs> you know, it was like a mystery. Um, I'm finding that um, I'm using it an awful lot of course, like everybody else is, it seems to yeah. be the only way we can communicate these days. And I swore I would never get a cell phone. I swore I'd never do that. And yet, I was talking to it by my grandchildren. They finally said, Grammy, you know, if you get an iPhone, we can look at each other. I said, we can? They said, yeah, we can. And that's how I got my iPhone. We do FaceTime. Every day I look at my baby's faces. And it's a joy, you know, so I'm kind of hooked now. And being on, on social media at this point in time, uh, something I never thought I would do, <laughs> but
2: yeah, <here> I am. <laughs> well, that's funny that you should say that, that your grandkids were a big motivation because you saw, Hey, I could save a lot of time and this would be a lot of fun for my father. It was that, he could just check his stocks immediately. So I think we all (laughs) find the one thing that we wanted and it was family for you. That's better than stocks.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Uh, And and then something I loved within you becoming kind of like the queen of Twitter is you had a little bit of a feud back in December with a professional wrestler, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You remember that one. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was so it was hysterical. Yeah, I'm going to get in the ring with you. Of course I am. <laughs> let's, let's get real here. Well, I'd have to
2: imagine that being in entertainment at such a high level for so many decades that wrestlers did come to see you over the years at your shows, that you did meet a lot of
1: wrestlers. I did, you know, and I, I, I met a lot of them through One of my dearest friends, Luther Vandross. Oh, that's right. Luther was, I mean, you're talking about the biggest wrestling fan in the entire world. That was Luther Vandross. I mean, I would get calls at 4 o'clock in the morning from (laughs) Luther. Did you see the match last night? What match are you talking about? It's 4 o'clock in the morning. What are you talking about? He said, the wrestling match. I said, Luther, 4 o'clock in the morning, you're talking about a wrestling match. (laughs) No, <laughs> And only he would I ever have accepted a call like that from anybody. Wow. That's such a unique side of him
2: that I don't think anybody really knew about, aside from him singing uh-huh. the national anthem at a WrestleMania.
1: Exactly. You know, but that was a joy for him. I mean, that was the biggest thing that could ever happen. I'm singing the national anthem. <laughs> I said, how wonderful for you, darling. I'm so thrilled for you. Got it. So, When
2: you have a feud with somebody like a Maxwell Jacob Friedman on Twitter, something like that,
1: that doesn't bother you? You can just laugh it off? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, I don't think he would ever attempt to think about coming at me in any fashion other than, hello, Miss Warwick.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So do you know if you have a June or a July mandolin
1: show or future Uh, plans? No, we haven't uh, gotten that far, but, you know, I never say never. Great. Well, I have two
2: quick questions for you, and then you're free to enjoy your evening. And the oh, first one is, Ms. Warwick, what are you watching on television these days?
1: Oh, my. Well, I hooked on Netflix, and uh, I have watched um, <laughs> every single episode of certain um things that they've had on Lucifer has been my my biggest one. I have loved it. I just watched um, a, a series called uh, the Good Witch Sure and it was delightful. it really was. I had a great time watching that and I have I binge I don't know how to turn off the computer and <laughs> go to bed until five six o'clock in the morning after I've watched the nine nine episodes you know it was like. What time is it? Oh god, you know, but it has been wonderful, and so it's, uh, it's been kind of a nice, uh, relaxing relief for me over this past year.
2: Sure, us two in this household, and my uh-huh. last question for you, and I say this as somebody again, high level. Hope the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction happens. You don't need it if it doesn't happen, but if it does, congratulations. Uh, my last question is any last words for the kids?
1: Yeah, you know, I, what I'm trying to promote as I do my tweets, you know, or my 12s is so I've been able to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, kindness, smile. That's really what it's all about. And I found, which I'm thrilled to be able to say, uh, when I first got involved with it, I was not too happy with what these babies were tweeting at, to each other or around each other or by Borden. And I said, "No, we got we got some little laughter here and and some some hope and happiness, you know." Mm-hmm. And I found, and Jack has even let me know that uh, you really turn the, these kids around. You know, you're finally giving them hope, and they're being nicer to each other, and, and it's not as much. Madness, as I've been, I've been seeing over the past few years. And I'm thrilled about that. I really am. You know, I, I'm loving the fact that they feel open enough to ask me questions and they no know that I'm going to answer them, I'm going to give them a straight up answer. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that they, they expect me to ask them questions. So I, you know, I want them to always feel that I'm learning from them as much as they're learning from me
2: well said well thank you so much for your time looking forward to not just seeing you on mandolin but back at say westbury music fair in new york when things get back to normal so just keep up the greatness
1: thank you darling i really appreciate that
0: (laughs) Uh,
2: am i getting you from los angeles at the moment
0: yeah i'm in la i have no idea what's going on i have been on uh, the internet all morning and now there isn't so there could be a power you know it could be an outage in the area i, I don't even know
1: you know Whatever what you know what it killed is. me
0: the shower brought me down i should have stayed stinky for you
2: well looking dashing dashing is always yes.
0: getting yes, the house
2: always. out of the way 86 <laughs> melrose avenue is to us the new movie to you when did you actually film it
0: wow that's a good question um Wow. First of all, time has lost all meaning, you know, in the past year and year, because uh, I'll say things like, oh, remember when I shot this thing last summer? I'm like, that couldn't have been last summer because nobody was doing anything. I'm going to say now a year and a half ago, maybe two years. If I had to guess, (laughs) but I'm not sure exactly.
2: As somebody who's taping interviews five, six days a week, I'm getting some like 2016's, 2017's in there. So nothing yes. shocking anymore about when you're talking to somebody who's established and it's an indie film and you ask when it was made, you, you have to have in the back of your mind like, why did it take so long or just it take forever?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I will tell you, it was the kind of thing where um, I was given the script and we didn't, I just kind of knew I didn't have the time to do it. You know, nothing to get, it's just, I would, you know, have a bunch of stuff going on, but I always try to read everything that's sent to me and I read it and I thought, Oh, there's some really interesting stuff going on in here. Damn it. And so I felt like, Oh, and so then, you know, my reps or whatever people get involved and they worked out. Cause I remember going from one set to another, like I was shooting something else at the same time, but they were very generous and they worked both, productions worked it out so I could go from one to the other and, and I was able to do it so I do remember that part of it but I couldn't tell you exactly when I did it
2: so it wasn't a traditional audition kind of thing it was kind of hey do you want this and you did it
0: yeah you know the thing I've I've been a lucky dude um you know i am been a pretty busy actor ever since I moved out here and my god you know, 1804, uh, (laughs) whatever the hell I got here. No, I, I I moved here in 90, um, 94 and relatively busy, you know, blessed and, you know, enough to pay the bills at least. And then parks came along and then that kind of, you know, changed everything, uh, as far as work, because number one, we, you know, did it for seven years, which was a gift. And then You know, because you become familiar to people. So most of the work I do now is offers. And that is a, I'm so grateful for that, that, you know, when you're a younger actor, you dream of that, you know, where you just get a phone call saying, hey, are you available to do da da da? You read the script and you go yes or no or whatever. So yeah, it was an offer um, that I, I was happy to have received.
2: Yeah, well, you are so good at what you do that you just actually answered a few things that I was going to ask. <laughs> there you go. That <laughs> okay, see you me...
0: later. Nice talking to you. Bye-bye. <laughs> well, something that
2: fascinates me about your career is that the first two seasons you were on Park and Recreation, you were, I don't know, they call it a feature or a, a guest star, even yes, though yes, you're in every yes. episode. And I believe the third season you became a, or something around there, you became a regular uh, but in spite of that, you were working nonstop while on Parks and Rec. Like we look at your MDB page, you, you're doing like five to ten shows in a movie in addition to all that all at the same time. Is that amazing work ethic? Is that an, in a, not having the ability to say no to stuff? Or is it just your dream to work
0: as much as possible? It's a it's a a combination of everything you just said with a big mix of fear. Like, does anyone ever want me to work for them again? I've never, I've never left a job and I'm not proud of this, but I've never left a job thinking I'll ever work again. Like I always think, Oh, that's probably the last time anybody will cast me. Or that's the last time I'll you know, I, even when I have work coming up, my brain still like, you know, I'll finish. Uh, I, I, I've, I've been working on a show recently and, Anyway, and then in the meantime, I did a film during it, and I remember thinking after the film, oh boy, I wonder if this will be the last, thing. and I'm thinking, wait a minute, you go to work tomorrow, back on the show, no, I, <laughs> it won't be, so that's whatever crazy stuff is in my head. Uh, here's the thing, here's the main reason, uh, I love what I do, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm so blessed, uh, the old expression, I've said it a million times, that I should get credit for writing it even though I didn't if you love what you do you never work a day in your life and uh I've since 94 when I moved to LA I've never had to do anything else to pay my bills now that doesn't mean every year was great and every you know there was some years things were pretty tight uh but but, but always enough always enough mm-hmm. uh because when I'm on a set I'm a happy guy I just I love it and then you when you're on a set with people who are passionate about the project that just even adds more to it. Like the director, uh, uh, Lily, uh, on, on 86 Melrose Avenue, you talk about passion for her, for her film. I mean, just it, you just walked on set and you knew, wow, this is the real deal. This is, this is a woman here who has looked at this every direction and has her opinions and views and they're important. And, she wants them to be heard and i agreed with her uh so yeah that, so I, I i'm just it's like a combination of everything and, and also very fortunate that people want me to work because believe me that can end as quick as it starts tomorrow people could decide we're sick of that big fat face we're done you know welcome to showbiz um i hope that's not the case if it is you know i got no i have no power uh i i will just enjoy my backyard and go swimming a lot. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you mentioned before moving out to LA in 94, and I don't know if everybody realizes that you came out of the Chicago theater scene. And a commonality I see with everybody who, who made it, and I'm I'm saying that you made it, uh, except Chris Farley, <laughs> is that everyone didn't make it until they were 30 and up from that world. You look at Trisha, Kelly, Trisha O'Kelly and John C. Riley. Tina Fey might have been on the brink of 30 of getting SNL, but it took everyone uh, the process of being a late bloomer, and then they were okay. Did you know that, that when you were there of, hey, it may take a little bit, but once I'm set, I think I'm going to be
0: set? No, I, I knew nothing. <laughs> Believe me, just you're looking at an idiot. Uh, I often, people will say to me now, you know, because of the success you've had, do you wish you had gone to L.A. earlier? Well, a couple of things. One, it never dawned on me. It never dawned on me. I was working in Chicago. I was doing the working, you know, a day job during the day to pay the bills, doing theater at night, taking classes, Second City and Players Workshop, you know, just doing what everybody else was doing. Uh, I wasn't the exception. And, um, you know, as time goes on, you hear the dream of LA and the dream people talk about a pilot season and they talk about this and they talk about that. So it's out there, but it was never in the forefront of my brain. So yes, had I moved to LA earlier, would things have been different? Would I have landed some big show early or would I never have worked? I mean, you know, who the hell knows? Uh, right. I think things work out the way they're supposed to, but it's funny. You should say, you say about the age thing. I never really thought about it, but when I, th- you know, cause like in my day in Chicago was, you know, Carell was still in Chicago. Colbert was still in Chicago. So you're right. Right the thirties are when everybody started to uh, kind of piece it together and make some big moves in their lives because what Chicago, you know, I, I love Chicago with all of my heart. Like it's literally my heart and soul. And, uh, and I love LA. I'm not knocking LA. I really, I, I love LA, but Chicago is so my family is there and, and my people and all that kind of stuff. And um, so it, it, it's tough to leave, but the, the problem You know, I'm talking in 94 during when I came out here. The problem in those days was that if you wanted acting to be a career, it was tough to do because, yes, the occasional commercial you might book, you might get um, occasionally a film came into town and maybe you'd get a day on the film or I mean, but there was no. There was no real money, living money. In other words, to have a family and to pay bills. It it just, I didn't see it as a possibility. So it was either going to be something fun I wanted to do or a career. And I really decided at one point, I'd like to try for it to be a career. And that's when, you know, I ended up making the move to Los Angeles. But uh, it's it's different now because there's so many shows shooting in Chicago, which is great so awesome movies are shooting there now i can go off of my tangents about these productions because what they intend to do is bring the main people from la or new york like you have this talent pool in chicago that is unmatched sure. and yet they're still getting the the guest star role the one off uh or whatever but it's way better than it was in 94 so i'm happy for that
2: do you have time for three quick questions? Because this is a busy guy I'm
0: talking to. Dude, whatever you need. Okay.
2: Question one. For the further...
0: record, I've been sitting here. My computer has gone back up. I can see it working again. <laughs> Thumbs up. Well, Yay. Question number one. Uh,
2: one of my favorite things is awful TV pilots that were just a pilot that didn't get picked up. And this morning, somebody reminded me of one that starred Peter Boyle called Puchinski where he was uh, died and then he was put back in the body of a dog and somehow he was a dog <laughs> cop. I don't know. Do you have those? And you don't have to say what they are or where we can find them. But do you have any horrible pilots
0: like that that eventually may be unearthed? Yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, please. Most pilots that I've ever been in. Uh, yeah. They, you know, Pilots, uh, when I was younger, I used to think that was the, um, man, you get a pilot, you're set. No, no, no. 90% of pilots never go any further than the pilot, you know. But I did one. I'll even say the name. Well, now maybe I won't say the name. But I, oh boy. I'll say this. I'll say this. It was directed by James Burroughs. Uh, So it was, it certainly had some cachet around it. Yeah. It was not good. And, you know, I don't care who's involved. if, If, you know, if you have a script, that, so I, I won't say this, the name of it because I wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But uh, you know, at the time, you're happy because pilots are a better paycheck. You know, they book you for like it's a ten day event, um, and so that that keeps you going a little while. But yeah, no, no, we've all got those. Yes, yes. Now, as as bad as the dog one, I don't know. I don't think I've done <laughs> one, I don't think I've done one that bad.
2: Okay. Uh, next thing is I'm a big music fan a big indie rock band and some of my favorite albums were produced by a producer named Tim O'Hare did you ever accidentally get the mail or correspondence of
0: Tim O'Hare yes uh I never knew who Tim O'Hare was until the internet happened you know when you could start you google your name we're talking however many years ago when it came out and somebody said because I do have a cousin Tim O'Hare so I look it up and I'm like I thought he was in the military. I, I got, what is he doing producing records? I, I had no idea. So in the meantime, um, at one point, this is 100 years ago, before I had any success that led me to where people knew who I was, I sent this guy uh, a message. And he wrote back and he said, I don't think we're related. It was very, very pleasant back and forth. Uh, and we are, and which would mean you and I also, are very different musically. So like my taste in music is the worst and yet I love it. So for me, it's good. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, we never stayed in contact. I don't know. Don't think we had a lot in common.
2: <laughs> there you go. And my yep. last question for you, besides C 86 Melrose Avenue, because it's an excellent movie, any last words for the kids?
0: The kids as in kids across the world or kids where? I think the kids
2: that'll be watching Jim O'Hare talk and be interested in you because let's face it parks and recreation had such a multi-generational following and was on for so many seasons that you actually might have some kids as fans
0: oh dude the the fan base for parks has gotten bigger the, the, we, we you know we still have this thing called the parks family text we're still in each other's lives all the time we can it, it, we're more popular now than when we shot the darn thing i mean yeah. Like, and, the time every year we didn't know if we were gonna be canned or not and now it's become this I don't know uh, the word iconic but whatever it's become this kind of go-to show and no the kids love it and we all talk about it all the time. We love that because uh we're all number one, we're very proud of the show and I think there's some wonderful things you can learn from who these people are and especially my character Jerry he's a good guy. Um, he might be fumbling and he might be bumbling and he might have his issues, but he's a really good guy. And uh, to, to the kids out there, I guess I would say the old expression, treat others as you would like to be treated. I think that's a really important lesson and for uh, want to be actor kids out there. Uh, Cause I talk to them a lot. Uh, my, my advice always is be it doesn't matter because it's in your heart and soul and it's what you have to do and if it's something you have to do well then you have to do it uh you know not every plumbing job is easy not every you know uh accounting job is easy nothing's easy uh you have to work for it so uh work hard and be prepared a lot of hobbies as a
2: result of the pandemic kind of went away and then other hobbies kind of picked up and we've seen golf just have a big resurgence. You're an insider. Why do you think that might've been the case that golf picked up and when a lot of other sports kind of went away? I mean, I think part of it's a, as a function of, of just having been locked down. It's one of the few things that people could do recreationally, do it outside, be social, but still maintain an appropriate distance. Um, which was you know obviously very conducive to what we were all going through last year. Um, I also think that uh, golf is interesting in, in that it, it's looking very different than how it looked in many previous years, right? It used to be where you, you'd go play 18 holes, and you could take up, you'd take up the whole day basically to play golf. Now we have so many different, you know, air quotes, versions of golf. We have things right. like Top Golf and Drive Shack. You can go just play with a few friends, sort of, you know, have a beer, eat some pizza, whatever, and golf ball into this sort of like electric range. Um, we have facilities like this Golf Galaxy where they have these learning kind of centers, where people could go practice, work on their game for an hour or whatever it is. Um, And I just think there's just a lot of different ways for people to enjoy the game
1: that maybe fit better into the time constraints that any individual has in their own life.